0: So this morning we do come to the climax of John chapter 7. Jesus is in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles teaching from the temple. There are throngs of people in the city. Some, some persuaded by Christ's words and His works, believe in Him. Others, however, oppose Him and the opposition has been intensifying. Some in the crowd want Jesus arrested and the Jewish authorities, the Pharisees and chief priests who are likewise opposed to Jesus, send officers to do just that. So Jesus says in verses 33 and 34, which we considered last week, that time is running out. He'll be with them for just a little while longer and their refusal to accept Him as the Christ sent from God, the, the Savior would shut them out of heaven forever. They would die in their sins and spend eternity separated from God. So we considered the fact that contrary to popular opinion, heaven is not for everyone. But only for those who desire God who truly want to be with God. Heaven is only for those who desire Jesus, who brings us to God. So unless we receive Christ on earth, we will never be with Him in heaven. Well, after this, Jesus apparently left them to think about these things, to to mull these eternal truths. We don't know exactly what took place between verses 36 and 37, but some time elapsed, it seems, at least a day, maybe two, and then Jesus returned. And what follows here in verses 37 and 38 is one of the great promises of the Bible. One of the great invitations to believe in Christ. And from verse 39 we learn that to believe in Christ or to believe in Jesus is to receive the Holy Spirit. Therefore, to believe in Jesus, this is kind of my thesis statement. To believe in Jesus is to be renewed, refreshed, and carried along by rivers of living water who is the Spirit of God Himself. I've titled this message, Christ's Call to the Thirsty. Some have already answered this call. But if you haven't, this is just one more plea to your heart from the Lord Jesus Himself. So I want to consider the call of Christ, verse 37. The promise of Christ, verse 38. Then the Spirit of Christ, verse 39. These are the last words Jesus speaks in this chapter. And His call is clear. If anyone thirsts, He says, let him come to me and drink. I want you to see the scope of this call. This invitation extends to any and all. It is an open invitation. Jesus stands with arms wide open, calling out to all the thirsty. I want you to remember who's there people from all over the Mediterranean world, both Jews and Greeks, people from... All walks of life, the rich and the poor, the powerful and, and those who aren't, people who already believe in Jesus and those who don't. Listen, including his own enemies, they're standing right there and the call of Christ extends to men and women, young and old. It extends to us all, to any and all who thirst, regardless of background or circumstance or skin color, or religious experience or past failures or a whole host of variables. All human need is expressed in this word, thirst. It is an innate thirst. It is a universal thirst for something more. Something beyond us. It is symptomatic of our deep inner spiritual need for God. As Blaise Pascal famously said, there once was in man a true happiness of which now remain to him only the mark and empty trace which he tries in vain to fill from all his surroundings, but these are all inadequate. Because the infinite abyss can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object. That is to say, only by God Himself. But notice, Jesus doesn't describe this thirst. It seems He doesn't need to. He doesn't talk about our thirst for happiness or, or holiness or truth or peace or love or life. He doesn't even specify our thirst for God. He doesn't say, for example, if anyone thirsts for me, but simply if anyone thirsts. He simply calls to the thirsty, to all who recognize their need and want it met. Some may say, but I'm thirsting for pleasure, and the pleasure I seek is not necessarily Christian. Well, that may be true but Christ's call still extends to you because if you want real pleasure pleasure that lasts and truly satisfies you will not find it in the fancing pat or the passing fancies of this world but only in Christ where there are treasures and pleasures forevermore Others may say, Oh, I thirst for wealth or power or prestige. Will I find wealth in Jesus? In your sense, no. But in an infinitely greater sense, absolutely yes. For the heavenly treasures found in Jesus Christ tower over whatever earthly trinkets you may find, like the parables of the hidden treasure and the great pearl. He is the crown jewel whose worth far surpasses any earthly possessions you may acquire. So whatever form your thirst may take, Christ's call extends to you. I'll make it even a bit more personal. I believe right now, today, this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, calling each and every one of you. And to answer the call, is to come to Christ and drink. If anyone thirsts, he says, let him come to me and drink. Although the call extends to all, see that we must come individually. Let Him come. Singular. All are invited, but we must respond to Jesus personally. This requires action. On our part, we must come to Him and we must drink of Him. Listen, it's not enough to be near Jesus, merely to be in close proximity to Jesus. Thirst isn't quenched simply by being near water. No, you must drink the water. You must appropriate and internalize it. The water must get inside of you. Just as we open our mouths to drink water, so must we open our hearts to drink from Jesus. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you thirsty? do you sense there's something more for you? Something that only God can provide. And are you aware of your need? And do you want it met? We're told that Jesus stood up and cried out. This is unusual. Most rabbis sat when they taught. The rabbi's students, his disciples, would stand, but the rabbi himself most often sat. Even when Jesus preached his sermon on the mount, for instance, he sat down and his disciples came to him. But here Jesus stands. And He cries out, He yells, He raises His voice. The word actually means He shouts. He wanted all to see and hear Him. It was the last day of the feast and, and this may be the last opportunity for many of those who have gathered. And Jesus didn't want this opportunity to pass them by. There was urgency in His plea as He invited all the thirsty, all the needy to come and drink and have their need met by Him who is the source of living water. It was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, we're told. Well, this annual feast was also called the Feast of Booths, verse 2. It was the most festive and celebratory of all the feasts, the Jewish feasts. People wore their best and brightest clothes and Jews from all over the eastern world, traveled to Jerusalem to enjoy this feast. They built tiny, temporary shelters or booths all over the city in remembrance of Israel's wilderness experience as God rescued them and provided for them and led them to the promised land. And each day, Each day of this feast featured ceremonies intended to encourage the people toward God. And the ceremony on the last day, on this day, was particularly impressive. On, on that day, the priest or the people gathered at the temple and they formed a processional down to the pool of Siloam, just outside the city. The priests led the way and the people followed behind singing Psalms in celebration. And once at the pool, the priests would fill these golden pitchers of with fresh water, and, and then they proceeded back through the city to the temple... In parade-like fashion, again, accompanied by this choir of thousands as people, as they meandered through the city, as people just joined in, you can picture the scene. And when they got to the temple, apparently they would, they would, they would march around the altar seven times and trumpets would blast and then these priests would, would take these golden pitchers and they would pour out this fresh water on the altar in this lavish display and it pictured how God had sustained and satisfied them when no one else could. This was the high point of the feast the culmination of this week-long celebration, and it's against this background you see. Perhaps at this very moment as the waters poured forth when Jesus stood and He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. He's saying that, that He is God's provision. He is the one who truly sustains and and satisfies and quenches. He is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. There can hardly be a more dramatic offer. And Jesus extends the same invitation to us. With the same openness and urgency in his voice, he calls out to you and me: the "Call of Christ goes forth as he invites the thirsty to come and drink. But what does what, what drinking from Jesus mean? What does it mean to drink? In this way, I mean, from the text, what what does it mean to drink? Verse thirty eight, right? Verse thirty eight provides the answer. What does it mean to drink? from Jesus in this way. It means to believe. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. and so here we hear the promise of Christ to all who believe to come and drink from Jesus is to believe in drink in Jesus drinking in this metaphor is the same as believing he says whoever believes in me in me. So the promise is not simply for those who believe generally, right? But for those who believe specifically in Jesus. This is significant because it's possible to believe that Jesus was to believe that Jesus lived, even to believe that Jesus died and rose again. It's possible to believe that, that Jesus was a good man who taught important truths, even to believe that Jesus was the most important man to ever live. It's possible to believe these things about Jesus, yet never drink from Jesus yourself. We mustn't merely believe things about Jesus. We're to believe in Jesus. This word, in, indicates entrance into the person and promise of Christ. It communicates confidence in who Jesus is. It speaks of faith, the kind of faith that acts upon what it believes in our vernacular, we might say it's to go all in and hold nothing back. It's about placing your entire person in the care of Christ. This kind of faith is not simply nodding your head in agreement with Jesus, but bowing your heart in surrender to Jesus. To drink in this way is to take Him in and give Him full reign. He becomes part of you as you enter into life with Him. An inward change occurs, a change of the heart, as God Himself takes up residence in your life. That's what He's talking about here. And this inward change of the heart has outward effects, notice to the person who comes to Jesus, who drinks of Jesus, who believes in Jesus, Jesus says, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water. This water is alive and it brings life. We sometimes speak of dying of thirst, right? Times when we are so parched, so dry, so So empty that it seems we're on the brink of death. The same is true in the spiritual sense. Listen, even for those who already believe, we can still become so parched, so dry so empty, so spiritually thirsty. Our souls are dying of thirst. And Jesus says, come and drink. Take me in. Have your thirst quenched. And from within your heart will flow rivers of living water. I like how Spurgeon illustrates this. Spurgeon once compared these rivers to the incoming tides that would lift the great barges on the Thames River. And when the tide was out, Nothing could move those massive 19th century freight-carrying ships as they lay stuck in the mud of the river's bottom. Men could not move them. A team of men could not move them. Heavy machinery could not move them. Only the water could move them, when the tide came in, when the waters rose and flowed around those great barges, only then would they begin to move down the river. I know people, you do too probably, even some who go to church, who are stuck in the mud today they're attempting to move the barge so to speak in their own strength and there's there's no movement and they're weary and they're thirsty. And if that's you this morning, if you're pushing and pulling your way through life, tugging and toiling in your own strength, perhaps even as a Christian, this promise is for you. These living waters are for you. Flowing rivers, notice. Not a mere trickle, but gushing rivers of life, plural, more than one river. There's dynamic movement, there is direction, there is energy, there is power, there is current, there is an inward surge that bursts forth and spills out in new ways. This is the reality of God and the life of the person who drinks from Jesus Christ. Jesus gives life in abundance. Right? Isn't that what He says? I came that they might have life and have it in abundance. So why do we drink from broken cisterns and empty wells when flowing rivers of living water are made available to you? And this water not only blesses us, notice, it not only refreshes our soul, but, but, but it flows out from us to bless others. We mustn't assume this water is for us only. It is for us, but But it's for others too. The nature of the promise, of this promise is that you will be satisfied. You will be filled. In fact, you will be filled to overflowing so that others in your life would be refreshed and encouraged to go to Jesus and drink for themselves. What's that camp song we sing? There's like hundreds of them, right? Exactly. i got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk, makes the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. You believe it? So a river of life flowing out of you today? Living waters that quenches your thirst and it refreshes those around you, right? It, it, it makes the lame to walk this river. It makes the blind to see. It sets the captives free and it's coming out of you. That's a beautiful thing, this promise. This is the promise of Christ to all who answer His call. So we've seen the call of Christ and the promise of Christ. Third, consider also the Spirit of Christ. Verse 39, Now this He said about the Spirit whom those who believed in Him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, verse 39 does not come from the lips of Jesus, but from the Apostle John. It is John's commentary on verses 37 and 38, John's explanation of what Jesus is saying. And John points us to the Spirit to the Holy Spirit to the Spirit of God to the Spirit of Christ. And he's saying that all who believe in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. All. Well, for them at that time, the Spirit had not yet been given in full. Sure, He has always been active, But He did not personally indwell each and every believer as He does today because Jesus had not yet ascended to the Father in glory. He hadn't yet died and rose again and returned to heaven. But for those of us who live on this side of Christ's ascension, this promise has come true. Jesus has sent His Spirit and all who believe in Jesus receive the Spirit, meaning that the rivers of living water that flow from our heart is nothing less than the Spirit of Christ within us. It is to be born of the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. But to be born of the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit are two different things. The the former, being born of the Spirit, occurs instantaneously upon your conversion to Christ, but the latter, walking in the Spirit, occurs progressively as you live by faith in Jesus. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Later in that same passage, Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, if the Spirit's inside of you, go where He goes. There's a difference, you see, between having the Spirit and being led by or filled with the spirit within us rages a a battle between the conflicting principles of our sinful and spiritual nature the war is raged within it really has very little to do with what's happening around us the war is raged within as we choose which principle we allow to have dominion. Walking by the Spirit does not mean we won't feel the pull of fleshly desires. We do. But it does mean that when those desires assert themselves, we don't fight alone. We can receive strength from God Himself, from the Holy Spirit to refrain from gratifying them. So listen, the victory is not in choking back our sinful urges, but rather in walking in the presence and power of the Spirit of God. You need to hear that. The victory is not in choking back our sinful urges, but in walking by the presence and power of the Spirit of God within us. So how do we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? I want to close with just three quick suggestions. Number one, drink daily from the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've been meditating on this passage all week long and I come yesterday to the church to to kind of finish my preparations for this morning. And as I began, I just prayed... I didn't intend on praying this way necessarily. It just, I was led to pray this way. Jesus, I need another drink from you today. I need another cup of this living water. I need the Holy Spirit today. I need need direction from the Spirit. I need to know the presence of the Spirit. Not Not just know it up here, I need to know it. I need to know Him. I need to be refreshed, Jesus, in this way if I'm to have any hope of bringing refreshment to the people. Loved ones, the waters, with Jesus, the waters never run dry. And therefore, walk by the Spirit or practice God's presence by inviting Jesus into every aspect of your life without exception. Worship Him throughout your day. Trust Him in every circumstance. Entreat Him for wisdom and help and direction. Thank and praise Him for His presence with you Go to Jesus daily and drink and drink and drink often. Number two, serve others, serve others. As we've just learned, the Spirit of God within you intends to flow from you to others. The Bible says God has prepared good works for us and He intends us to walk in them. We are vessels of God's blessing, meaning that, that your focus is not to be on yourself, but on what God is doing in and through you. Even this morning, we were praying and Jim, Jordan was praying, Lord, help us to become less self-serving so that we can be free to serve others. Lord, Lord, help us to, to get ourselves out of the center of the picture. If we want to walk by the spirit, a very practical way of doing that is serve others. Drink daily from the Lord Jesus Christ, serve others and then and then God gave me this one. This is third and finally confess your sin quickly. Because our sinful and spiritual natures are war are at war, confessing your sin to God helps prevent the flesh from grabbing a foothold and gaining the upper hand. When the Spirit of God brings conviction of sin, what's He doing? He's graciously urging you to confess it. In order that your relationship with Him will not continue in that fractured state. Listen, unconfessed sin is poison to the soul. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That angry word, that lustful gaze, that impatient urge, whatever it is, confess your sin quickly so that you can walk by the Spirit. Consistently. We're all thirsty. We're all thirsty. And only the Lord Jesus Christ truly satisfies that deep thirst. So go to Him today and believe. For to believe in Jesus is indeed to be renewed, refreshed, And carried along by rivers of living water that is the Spirit of God Himself. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the call of your Son here in John chapter 7 and in many ways we were in the crowd or the people who were there are representative of people everywhere and so thank you Jesus that Your call extends even to us. Thank You for the promise to all who believe in You. This promise of a changed life, of, of the Spirit of God Himself taking up residence within us this this promise that we will be blessed and we will be a blessing for others. And so we come to you again today and we drink and we drink and we drink and we praise and we praise and we praise for you are worthy. Amen.